I think that relates that you've had what Duncan and Dino going at 144, Jimmy's split at 143 on a relay before, and then you want that fourth man, Matt went rich, she's went 145, Jav's split at 145 on a relay, I think, before. So it's looking yeah. very promising, and I think it's going to be a very intense race between Aussies, us, and uh, the US. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Kick Podcast. I don't have a full crew here. Mr. Brian Lundquist is out doing an Ironman. Yes, the former uh, 4x100 free relay record holder is doing an Ironman now. So he's gone from 50 and 100 freestyle to an Ironman. We can get into that into another episode. But I do have the historian Luke Paddington with us. This is Dr. John Mullen, physical therapist. And I'm excited about our newly Tokyo uh officially Whoa. qualified joe litchfield how you doing today joe i'm pretty good thank you yeah i'm good excellent so obviously you're coming off a great meet it looked like a bunch of pbs for you at the british trials um i'd like to just start with that having you tell a little bit about how that meet went for you from your opinion and then we'll get into what it was like to make your first team officially wait, wait john first of all newly minted it was officially announced yesterday wasn't it joe that that yeah. you are on the team so yep. some people I know have got the Olympic rings before they even made the Olympics. When would you get the Olympic rings, and when will you get it? Would you you know wait till you compete? Like when do you get uh, it? I think I think I'll wait till after. The worst thing you want to do is get the ring <laughs> and then potentially get injured and then not go. Like that's the last thing you want to do. So definitely. I don't remember you swimming. Yeah. Um... <laughs> nah, it was a uh, yeah. Definitely after. Definitely after. <laughs> All right. All right, so tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, British Trials. Yeah, it was really good. I think it was better than everyone expected. I think it was weird going into it, sort of, the fact there was even no crowds, there was almost no atmosphere, like you'd finish your race. We couldn't actually see the scoreboard from the pool because there was a big sort of barrier in the way, so they managed to get a little sort of timing board to the right of the right of the pool where so you kind of look. But it was one of like the digital ones, so you'd have to look at your lane number and time and you'd have to think, okay, Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got my time, I've got my time. It was sort of like a really weird uh, <laughs> waiting to see how fast you've gone. But now it's good. Everyone kind of got behind each other. It's more like a sort of team, like GB sort of melee. Everyone and like the Loughborough for me, a lot of the Loughborough guys would like, cheer for me. I'd hear them before I was getting on the blocks and they sort of cheer when I won or when I got my times and whatnot. And it's more like a sort of team spirit rather than an actual like competition where you go there obviously to like see the crowds, hear the atmosphere, that sort of thing. But yeah, like for me, I think it was great i came out of the, the meet with four new pbs um that was seven of eight in total like i just the only pb wow. i didn't get if it was the final of the two and three which i think was uh i could have gone faster i think i think it, i didn't really pace it well enough and i think that was definitely something to hopefully come in the future but overall like i'm overwhelmed by the whole thing like do what i did on day one it's all took all the pressure off for the rest of the week and obviously to get the time and now be officially selected is it's is, is I don't speak. Can't really, can't really explain it. Like, it's. I still don't really believe it. Like, it's still like, oh, like, first real time was yesterday. We did some media stuff, and I kind of thought this is real. Like, I'm going to the Olympics. Like, I'm gonna go and like be in a heat, potentially make the semi, make the final, and you never know what happens on the day. You might be battling for medals, and the whole sort of next three, four months is going to be pretty crazy, pretty mental, and it could really sort of change my career and sort of send it on a nice trajectory up. Hopefully. It's, uh, I want to get into the details of the trials, but let's stick on that last note. I mean, this is obviously something that's been in your family for a while with your bigger brother. 
and 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 you've been working on for a long time. You've been on the national team circuit for a few years now. We've been at Wales and stuff. Um, what does it mean to you to go to the Olympics? And um, do you think the year postponement helped or just was agony? Uh, no, it means the world. Obviously, to represent your country at any stage is an honour. Like you, you want to go to juniors, you want to go to world juniors, that sort of Europeans, worlds, Commonwealths, and represent your country and raise the flag. But everyone knows the biggest stage is the Olympics, and I actually think it's my first long course senior team, and sort of for this yeah. to be my first, it's pretty pretty incredible. I've been to a European short course, I've been to a few World University games, but and Commonwealth games, but I never represented GB like officially, sort of. Yeah. At a big games, I don't think, apart from a junior level, and sort of to do that as my first sort of step in my senior career, like big step, should I say? Uh, it's really it's just an honor, and sort of to hopefully go there, where the where the blow, where the, where the colors. Hopefully, I'd want I want to say I make a final. I want to. I want to I'm pushing for. It's definitely my biggest my target going into it. Uh, yeah, yeah man. And uh, what's the second part? Sorry. No, I just I was just wondering about. Um, so you went to London and watched London when you were 13 years old. Did you go to the games and watch it, or you just saw it on TV? Oh no, I, I didn't sweat go to watch the swimming in London. I watched the football. I mm-hmm. uh, went and watched. We were trying to get tickets a lot. It was quite hard. I went to, uh, I think it was like the third place game, like South Korea, Japan. Uh, yeah, we had one to go see, but it was to get there and see the atmosphere in London. It was actually it was actually in Cardiff, not London. So I lied about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did go to Rio. So I went to watch Max in Rio, and that was pretty pretty incredible. We went there, watched all the swimming days. He obviously swam day one, and then we watched a few games after that. Yeah, yeah. The whole atmosphere there just sort of inspired me again, sort of to think, okay, this could be me in four years. Uh, I didn't really think it at the time. I don't think. I think I probably thought at the time, probably from the 2016 to 2018, that uh, 24 Paris 2024 would have been my more realistic sort of goal. But I remember having like a chat with some of my directors at British Swimming, and they're like, you might like sort of break through. You might depending on how you sort of improve in the next few years, you might end up breaking through in like 2022, 2021. And like you said, like you said before about the delay, I think for me personally, it's been a huge help. I think if it was 2020, I was I had an outside shot. I was, the f- I'd uh, just got like a new, pe- no, just the new season, in-season's best on the 100 backstroke at the meet before COVID hit. And that was probably the only event I was really targeting sort of to get on that relay and sort of get in there. Because the bachelor is, I won't say it's the strongest event in the UK, and uh, yeah. me that was the only real realistic chance I think last year for Tokyo 2020. And then as soon as COVID hit, I remember going home. I got a phone call off my coach, and he was like, "Okay, what are we gonna do?" And he's like, "From he's like from his sort of viewpoint, he was like, I think this is gonna be great. Like this is just another year. We'd sort of gone from strength to strength throughout that sort of eight month year so far, and we had another twelve months to add on top of that until the next year's trial. So it was sort of just like straight away, okay." have some time off. Obviously, we had like 10 weeks through the yeah. whole lockdown. Regroup, regroup, stay fit, come back, and then it's just going to be on it. And then since then, it, that's what it's been. And sort of the, the sort of trajectory I've had throughout this last sort of 12 months with ISL and everything like that, it's just been from going from stride to stride. And it was, it, for me, it was, it's, a new, it's new. Like, it's new and it's really exciting. And I can't wait to see what uh, else comes in the future. Well, congrats again, man. That That's exciting to kind of hear that story. And like you said, going from seeing your brother at Rio now, having it happen yourself, especially after this past year, like you said, we'll never know what would have happened in 2020. But it seems like, like you said, for, for you, it, it only provided some benefit, a little bit more time and preparation there. Um, but let's get into that 200 IM race. Obviously, there were some other names in the race. Uh, Duncan Scott, 
uh, an older guy that made uh, the team last year or last time that you know. So maybe talk us through your race strategy first, and then after that, we'll get into about your competitors. What was your best time going into the race first? And the British record is held uh, by your brother, right? So what was your best time going in? My best time was in going to the day was 159.1. I don't know twice. Uh, I then PB'd in the heat, went 158.3, and then went 57.7 in the final, I think. Uh, so, I mean, I was expecting it, I think. But for me personally, in my race, uh, the final didn't really go how I wanted it. Mm. Like, I know when I – Duncan's weakest stroke is backstroke. So and my one, one of my stronger strokes is backstroke. So he obviously knows, okay, if I'm near Joe, it's going to be, he knows he's going to have, he's got a strong breaststroke and a very, very strong freestyle. So my race strategy is, okay, I need to be, I need to be ahead probably by the backstroke. I think we were level, but obviously you know what he did. He did an absolutely incredible time. So I wasn't really targeting that time that he went, but for me and my race strategy is kind of just taking it sort of chilled, like an easy speed, like you say on the fly. And sort of like just really like making sure I attack the backstroke and then push it on with the breaststroke. And I think I'm a racer. I'm like, I'm in that sort of like if I'm next to someone with my final turn, I know I'm going to be in the race. Even if it is Duncan and I'm next to him, I'm gonna like I'm gonna fight to the end for that for that spot. And I think I've got more time to come out of it. And I don't think it fully went how I planned. It was quite. I think it felt like quite a scrappy race. And I think it mm. could have just nerves could have been sort of. Everything else going on around it, thinking, oh, am I going to make a time? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Is Matt's going to beat me? Is Duncan going to beat me? And I think just sort of getting my hand on the wall and seeing the time and sort of seeing, okay, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to the Olympics. I think that takes a huge amount of pressure off going into the Olympics because now I don't think there's anything expected of me at the Olympics. I think it's more of it's my debut. It's sort of my first real big senior meet. And I'm just going to go in there, have fun and race, race hard. I'm usually quite good in the heat, so... I like to think if I can get a good heat in there at Olympics, it could uh, could get me into that semis, and then you just don't know from there, do you? Like it's just taking it one step at a time. But yeah, uh, I think there's more to come, but yeah, that's my sort of my race plan, and then the whole race around me. Like obviously, you saw what Duncan did. It was from my point of view in the race. I remember turning on the freestyles. Like, I really hope he's going fast here because if he's going to one fifty-seven, I'm going to one fifty-nine. So I kind of thought he was going to be going quick. So obviously, you know, Duncan's is, is next level at the moment. He's he, reaching heights that no one thought and on so many different events. And it's an honor to sort of race with him and be sort of in that race and on the same team as him. But yeah, it was a pretty mad race. Sort of, I didn't quite, I, obviously I got the time, I got a PB, but I felt like I had more. So I think that was sort of like something sort of to take out of it straight away after the race. But you've got to enjoy the moment and I did and I think Max straight away after came up to me and said well done Olympian and obviously <laughs> it's a consideration but uh yeah it's it such a great race and I can't wait to see what the Olympics holds definitely yeah now with your brother that had to be a special moment and obviously someone with Duncan Scott like you said a very fast event for for the UK so once again great job there um, looking at that 2am like you said it didn't go maybe exactly the plan you think you got a little more in you Maybe talk us through some of the specifics on where you think you could, you know, shave some extra time off and what you're looking to go maybe at Tokyo. Well, so in my heat, so I did sort of like a chill front end and then what I've, been, I've sort of changed my breaststroke technique and it's sort of been, okay, let's attack the breaststroke. So obviously you need a 33 mid split to sort of really challenge the, uh, the guys at the top end because that's what they all split. And uh, I did that in the heat, but I had like, a, I think it was a 30 point backstroke. 
So I went a 30-point backstroke and then a 33 breaststroke. And then in the final, I went a 29 backstroke and a 34 breaststroke. So I think it's just getting both those splits into the faster splits. So 29-33, and that's, again, like you see, the second there. And then obviously coming back in a fast freestyle. And if I'm splitting that fast breaststroke, you're going to be in the race for the medals at Olympics. Because I think one second faster than my PB was third in Rio, I think. So 156.7, 156.6, something like that. So like you just get on to that. Like, there's a lot of what I've been practicing lately is the 150, sort of get into that final turn, even on the 200 freestyle, get into that final turn and then racing because in the heat of the moment, all the adrenaline, everything going through, if you're next to someone at the end of that 150, you're going to fight, you're going to race, you're not just going to die off. Whereas if you're behind, you're thinking, oh, I've got to chase, I've got to catch. So like, you need to make sure you're in the race to sort of have a chance. And that's what I've been practicing. And I think it's slowly getting to that point where I can do that and sort of having the balls, like you might say, to attack the race and not be worried about dying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's sort of been like my game plan. And hopefully what I can take into uh, into Olympics is to sort of get that 29 backstroke and get that 33 breaststroke. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, that would, should make top eight uh, at Tokyo. 200 IM, I mean, it's kind of an open event. I mean, yeah, Duncan's going fast. Japanese have some good stars. U.S. have some good stars, but it's not like we have a 154, double O, uh, 200 IM. Or I guess we do technically, but he's, uh, what, 36 years old. So we'll see what he can go. Um, so, yeah, that all, all sounds excellent. Um, Luke, do you have any other questions about the 2 IM? Did you – did it hurt? All right. I had bicarb, and I had an issue with bicarb on the 200 freestyle. Obviously, you can go through you, and that kind of happened on the 200 <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't happen until I am, but it's a bit of a weird, like, because sometimes it kind of makes you a bit twitchy and a bit edgy and sort of shaking and you yeah. can feel it. You can kind of feel it. And after my race, I remember finishing. I'm like, oh, I don't feel that. I don't feel I've got any lactate in me. I feel quite fine. I don't really, I don't know. I just kind of got a time and I was like, oh, I'm going to Olympics. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> but um, like during the race, definitely. Like, I remember getting to like the last 15 and I kind of, I kind of knew I was in second because I think I could see Max just over Duncan splash. And I was like, oh, my God, this this could be it. This could be the moment. But so I was just thinking, OK, push through the pain, push through the pain, push through the pain, get your hand on the wall. But, yeah, the breaststroke definitely hurt. I Absolutely. Uh, so once you get past the breaststroke, it's just a fight to the end. You just come home. You got to trust in your, in your ability to freestyle. So you saw PBs in 100 back, 100 free, 200 free, correct? As yep. well. Yeah. So, um, do you wait 147.7? Top four made it for the UK will it be a consideration for top six once it's all said and done do you think has there been talk about uh, top six? well 1.71 I think 1.71 okay yeah, yeah. 1.77 on my PB before I think uh, oh. I think I think they took top five because I think Callum Jarvis was he fifth or was he fourth I can't remember but yeah there's I think they took I think they took everyone for that event who were 146 or faster uh, I think they'll keep in options open. I know they it's a relay that were very strong. Mm-hmm. So they have options. Like me, Max came seventh and eighth in that final, but we're already on the team for other events. So obviously there's a chance, I'm guessing, there that we might get heat swim depending on what goes on. Uh, we might have to prove that at the Europeans coming up soon, sort of prove that we can sort of do a faster time or a similar fast time in a relay. And I'm open to that. I really want to do that. I want to get that opportunity. Uh, but I think with that relay, like they're, they're going to make sure they take enough to sort of keep the guys like Duncan and maybe Tom Dean and other them fresher for the final. And like, like I think that relays that you've had what Duncan and Dino going at 144, he split at 143 on a relay before. And then 
want that fourth man, Matt Rich, is went 145, Jav's little 145 on a relay, I think, before. So it's looking yeah. very promising, and I think it's going to be a very intense race between Aussies, us, and uh, the US. So the shots, are, the shots are fired across the bow, man. The Aussies yeah. and the US are like, oh, let's see what's going on. I remember we saw the we all saw the heat and the four, two three and me and Tom were in the first one. And I was like, okay, we need to set something here, and we went the times we went. I think it was forty seven one and forty six five, and everyone was like, okay, <laughs> can't mess around here. And I think it made it was technically a forty nine one to make it because ninth was a forty nine one, but eighth was a forty seven eight, and I I can't. That's I think six of us would have made the semis in Rio. I think I was sixth. And like just that caliber in that final, like everyone was like, it's a pretty impressive thing for a sort of a national final. I think it's it's got to be up there, one of the most stacked races of two hundred freestyle you're going to see at a national meet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like you said, I, I can't wait for Tokyo that eight free relay just to see what happens with it. Like you said, you have the Aussies, the UK should be up there, US should be up there. So we'll see who's got the hot hand. And like you said, you guys, we'll see what you what you end up doing at. Um, at Tokyo as far as in the heats, who they're trying to rest, because Duncan's going to have a huge event schedule, right? I'm assuming they're not going to throw him on in, in the heats. So they might try to rest him. And like you said, Tom Dean. So like I said, he might get a shot. And hey, if you pop a 144 and you got the hot hands, you never know, right? You need the 45 low, 44 to sort of be in the final team. Big time. Sometimes I think it was like the Worlds, they were a bit worried about not making the final. They wanted a middle lane. Mm-hmm. And I think they obviously I think they put a fast team in the heat. So whether they want to do that again, but it depends what other teams go. I don't know. I think 46 average would make you make you a comfortable sort of middle lane in the final. I'd like to think. I don't know how many mm-hmm. other other than the Aussies, US and UK are going to be getting out 145 is average. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. It's a really exciting event and it's definitely one of the most exciting events in the UK right now. Definitely. So I want to talk about the 100 back because you, you won UK trials from what I saw in the 100 back but you didn't make the qualifying standard. So maybe educate us uh, naive Americans about the UK process and what happens with you potentially doing that at Tokyo. Uh, I think I think we were all a bit disappointed with that race. I think me and Luke both expected to sort of dip under the margin of 53.8. I think mm-hmm. I've definitely got that in me. For me personally, it's sort of an event I kind of just picked up because like, it's obviously quite a weak event compared to other nations. Like, There's no one really consistently threes in season you'd maybe say uh but obviously to win it obviously it kind of puts me in a good light thinking okay yeah he's an option but i think obviously luke's been a 53-7 in a championship final so i think at the moment he would be the one to look at but there's europeans there's a glasgow meet and then there's obviously the olympics and the heats and the heats of relays heats of whatever and uh depending on how we do and what events we enter they won't pick that team until the last day, I don't think. I think it'll be very much, I don't know, one of us might get ill in the week. I don't know, yeah. like something might happen. It might affect who they pick. But if one of us goes to Olympics and serves an absolute corker of a heat or goes to 53 low or something, you'd think they're going to be one that goes in it. But I think that's the leg that's going to be decided on the day. And uh, whether it's me or Luke, obviously I hope it's me, but me and Luke are very good friends and like so you want the best for that relay. And obviously whatever British team pick on the day will be the, obviously the right choice. And you've got to stand by that and you got to stand yeah. by that because that, need, that, that relay needs to be started off faster than it has been because obviously you have Adam 
having his absolute mad uh, mad uh, leg to catch up after that. And then it's just a dogfight from there and it with the fly and the free. But if you can sort of will be whoever it is getting closer to Ryan Murphy, you'd think it's going to be Pete instead of having to catch up, he's going to be sort of going ahead. And that's what mm-hmm. they need. And that's what hopefully the future of backstroke can provide for that relay. You got pretty close to Murphy a couple of times in the skins. <laughs> yeah, until the last one. I remember, I remember, I remember thinking about that race. It, like, if you get through the first one, I, there's not many of them that get that much endurance. Yeah. And uh, I thought I had more. Than, so I was snuck into the first one, snuck into the final, and then I, I haven't felt pain like that in a long time. And I, I just looked at him and I, I knew he was, he hadn't really been trying too hard. Like, <laughs> I, knew he, I knew he had it in him to do another similar time. And it was painful, but it was a great. I mean, that was my first like real big meet, I think, with any sort of Americans or anything like that that were like that at such high level. And sort of to be next to Ryan Murphy, I was like, oh, this is pretty mad. And the breakers sort of, they were having a great time, I think, in the crowd sort of watching it because we were like the serious, weaker team in that first uh, heat. Yeah. Quite a nice way to end it, I think, in that final of the skins. It's 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 interesting what the, how the ISL inserted itself in your training for the last year, but I want to talk about you yeah, going forward because, you know, what are you, you and, and your coach talking about your training for the next, what is it, th- three months? Like, are you going to just go right through Europeans? Are you going to stop for three days and, and, and see what happens to Europeans? Are you just going to go and focus on that day one at Tokyo? What are, you, what are you guys thinking of right now? Is it too early? I think because there's still a few events like relays that I can sort of prove myself in. It's sort of not going to be like, it's sort of like a maintenance block now going into European. So we had a week off last week, uh, did a couple of swims, a couple of gyms, sort of to try and keep sort of the feel on the water. We come back in this week, we all we all feel pretty good, but there's obviously a little bit of ropiness going on. Yeah. But we're sort of doing like a build week this week, pretty intense week next week, and then sort of like a sort of reduced week the week after going into Europeans. So sort of hopefully sort of holding the taper, but not quite sort of tapered as you might feel. But we've done it before. Like I think uh, 2019, I swam the World University Games, uh, swam there, came back. I think I trained for two weeks and then went to our, our nationals and actually swam faster at our nationals. I did swim at the, uh, at the uni games. So yeah. I've proven a couple of times in the past that I sort of can hold sort of a feel but I think we're sort of going to the Europeans with sort of the intention to swim quite fast uh, and hopefully that will happen and then coming out of Europeans I think it'll be I don't know how long uh, what is it until the Olympics six five weeks another yeah, five weeks half, I think yeah. there'll be a good five week block or whatever block until taper sort of intense training sort of getting in some like strong work and then sort of taper down again back into day one of the Olympics or it's, it's a similar schedule to the US and the Aussies because they both have their trials what middle of June, John. So you know, yeah, uh, we have a meet in the start of June, like a Glasgow meet, which is at like the final potential selection meet for athletes in the UK. Uh, but that will just, I think, we'll probably just train straight through that unless something goes really wrong at Europeans and I want to try and prove myself again at Glasgow. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it'll be a lot of like maintaining sort of strength, sort of building back up, having a few intense weeks, and then obviously coming back down into Tokyo. Yeah. I think I race day two. I don't think I've got it in day one unless there's a relay. Maybe I don't know. Have they talked about vaccinating the athletes? I've not heard anything. Uh, yeah. They told in our country, it's sort of you get a message from the NHS and they'll say, okay, your vaccination is available. Uh, I don't know what age group they're on in Leicestershire, which is where I am now. Uh, 
but I guess we'll find out. Uh, mm. I think if you get offered it, they will accommodate that, but obviously you don't want to be getting it yeah. and going to Europeans because you might feel a bit, you obviously get the symptoms. So mm. I think it'll all be worked around. I think they were saying we might be getting offered our vaccinations around July, uh, which obviously is when the Olympics is. So I think maybe have to postpone that till after the Olympics, but mm. I've not actually heard anything. I don't think there's still nothing going on with like being able to like sort of purchase vaccinations anywhere. So I don't think... I don't know. I'd be open to it, and I think a lot, I know my family have got them and people like that, and the age group is slowly getting closer. But I've not heard anything recently about getting the vaccinations. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what, obviously, where the vaccination process is as the Olympics happen for every country, because every country is so different on where they're at with it. And then also with just how early teams are getting to the Olympics, if they're wanting people to quarantine for a little bit while they're there assuming they'll be getting testing. So I'm really intrigued to see how they shake out all these logistics that these, obviously, you know, the ISL, the NBA, all these places have figured out some strategies to make it work. But obviously the Olympics is a lot different um, than yeah. a lot of these other competitions. Yeah, I think I think the ISL figured out a pretty good system. Obviously it's almost, yeah. it's what, 20, 30, 40, 50 times smaller than what mm-hmm. the Olympics is going to be. Uh well, I think they've had a good system, like oh, getting tested every five days. Sort mm-hmm. of, it kept everyone. You sort of found anyone that was going to have the virus, and they quarantined them away straight away as they got to the got to the villa, the hotel when it was there. And I think if that similar similar system works out, it will it will work again in Tokyo. Like we're obviously we're not going to be allowed out of the village. We're not going to be allowed to roam. We're not. I think it's two days after you finish, you have to go um, home. So obviously, there's no party and after nothing like that that you might have seen in the past. But um, uh, I think I think he doesn't it, know what you're talking about there. He doesn't have any clue what you're talking about. I think I think uh, I think it will work, and I think they could work it. I think with the vaccination, like even if you get the vaccination, you're still gonna obviously have to stick to all the rules. So it might not even be worth getting the vaccination because the only the only benefit would be that you're not you've got probably very little risk of actually getting COVID when you're out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think yeah, just. I mean, getting the vaccination would be the best option, but at the same time, you're still going to have to sort of stick to all the regulations out there. So it's maybe it's not worth it with the potential that it might make you feel sort of a little bit sort of groggy going into the Olympic Games, which is not mm-hmm. what you don't want. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely achievable, and it will just it'll take a lot of manpower. But if there's any country that's going to do it, it's Japan. Like you know how organised they are with with sort of uh, events that they run. They're very very what's the word. Uh, Organized, yeah, they are very, very empathetic. They are uh, thinking about everybody else. They're good at organizing things, and they're very. Yeah. I think if it was in Rio, it might be a different story. But uh, yeah, I was at Rio. I I, I, I was crazy. Different <laughs> story to say the least. <laughs> Joe, I have a question. Did Did the UK try to run their their selection meet similar to how it would possibly be at Tokyo? Um, Maybe from the scheduling, but at least from like you know the, the the procedures that you could expect to compete with only taking this bag on deck, the pre-ready room, all this stuff. Did they think about that kind of stuff, for you guys? Um, I think the I don't really know what's going to be like in Tokyo. I don't know. I think they kept to all the regulations. I think the they didn't do obviously the morning final bit. No, that was all the evening. Uh, other than that, they sort of kept it all in a bubble, like you were in your hotel. There was like three hotels, and then you obviously walked through. We walked through Westfield, which was like a obviously a shopping center. Yeah. 
they had to obviously you're walking around the public, but they were like they had like stewards marked out, and obviously if they saw you walking off, you get well, you get sent home. Uh, so they kind of kept it all within a bubble, which is what it was called. And obviously you're allowed in the hotel or pool, and that was it. And you're only allowed in the pool when you were swimming. You had to be racing to go to the pool. You had to book training mm-hmm. times on the racing if you weren't racing that day. So it was all pretty well organized. All were very well run. Uh, but I don't really like the event schedule. Was there's always the same event schedule? Usually for trials, it's six days, and the event schedule just stays the same every year. It was reduced to five days, so some of the events were tinkered with and sort of moved around. I think two IMs normally day five. It was moved to day one. Uh, four three was still day one. It's always day one. Four IMs always day three. It was day three still, and that sort of thing. There's sort of new changes, but I mean it worked well. In a, uh, I think everyone got the job done that needed to get the job done and looking forward to the Olympics yeah I think it's been a bit weird like obviously with the whole schedule being morning finals no one's ever really done that and totally. yeah. a few I don't know if America are doing it are they doing morning finals they are and they, and they just did a pro series where in Mission Viejo where they had morning finals as well and they had that really good practice I think and the issue is the London pool is very expensive to rent so <laughs> you're running it for an extra two days if you do evenings and mornings so yeah <laughs> excellent well i'd like to shift gears from obviously the great swimming you were doing and now talk a little bit about isl and your thoughts on how all that went this past year obviously this was i believe your first year in isl um so i wanted to get your experience about being on the island isl in general and then we'll get into maybe the new news with ISL, with the draft, uh, not having kids that are 18 and under and things like that. But first, let's just start with your experience with ISL. Oh, it was, it was, and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't, I didn't know what I was getting into, obviously with the bubble. It was so good. Like, I can't explain how good it was. I think the breakers was different because of, there was a lot of culture. I think there was 18 countries or something on our team. So everyone sort of had that sort of no one really knew each other too well and it was kind of like everyone made friends and I think I've made friends for life after it and it's such a good to be on there was very little pressure on the breakers we kind of knew going in okay yeah we might make the semis that's probably Mm -hmm. about it and then we did that we had knew we had quite a difficult lineup ahead of us I think we kind of got screwed over a little bit with who we were going up against I think we had Cali or Energy in at least every single one we had Energy twice Cali three times so it was a bit of a it's a bit of a it's a bit unfair, I think I'd say, but obviously we just took that and we we're like, okay, if we make sure we come third in these two, and we challenged Iron, and we sort of showed that we were sort of uh, there to sort of race and swim fast. And I think coming this next year, hopefully, uh, I don't know what's going on with the selections yet, but if I'm on the breakers, I think we can definitely sort of challenge even more than we did last year. But the whole experience in uh, ISL was great. The whole island, it was well run it was quite relaxed even though it was well run like they obviously made sure everyone who had COVID was isolated but it was quite a it was such a fun feeling the whole competition was fast exciting everything going all around it honestly I didn't really know what was going to be going on whether it was going to be really strict or you had to stay in your rooms or you could like actually talk to each other but obviously keep social distance and whatnot yeah it was such a great experience and sort of to go there and race how I did it was it just sort of put a cherry on top what was it like going so the, the listeners you're from a pretty small place in the northern center of london of, of england right you're somewhere between leeds doncaster and sheffield sort of thing right and yeah. it's bad where you're from small little tiny place yeah it's called i was born in a town called pontefract but i live in a little village called badsworth 
as well. So you're talking about two professional swimmers from that town, two now Olympians from that town. That's crazy. You at least have some fans when you go home, I hope, right? You walk into the pub and people know yeah. you are? Come on. I don't know if they'll know who we are. I think, actually, maybe. I don't know. I think uh, all my friends from home, like all my school friends, they, they live in my local town, most of them, and they're always messaging and supporting. And so I think I think they might see it. It was on the news in the north of the UK and that sort of thing so i don't know if they see it but i obviously i get a lot of i get a lot of instagram messages comments that sort of thing saying well done from people who i haven't really spoken to in a few years so they definitely see it in the news or they see my post or they see british simmons post that sort of thing and it definitely gets out there probably more than it has in the past and it's swimming's a lot bigger in the us than it is in the uk but i think it's slowly growing in the uk and i think with the likes of adam Peaty sort of heightening that because obviously how big and how good he's right. been for the last however many years he sort of took some into sort of a sport where people are like okay this this could be a decent sport and I think I think the ISL hopefully I think it's a lot more exciting for people who aren't fans of swimming so I think if they can sort of well I don't know what they like get it out there in the right way and sort of make it easy for sort of viewers who don't understand swimming to watch a lot more it can definitely mm -hmm become a sport that is probably more well viewed and more sort of accepted in a sporting community yeah i'm intrigued at, like you said the swimming popularity in the uk with pd it seems like it's growing some obviously the uk guys are i mean really strong um so i'm intrigued to get your thoughts on what might tip it over the edge is it winning like a relay gold medal is it Duncan Scott pulling like a Michael Phelps and getting like eight medals yeah. type of thing. Do you think any of those will hit a, a tipping point? I think, I think if some of that did happen, I think if PE could be swimming for another eight years, you just don't know. He's an absolute machine. Duncan yeah. has the ability on so many different events. So it could be a thing where he could just become incredible at so many events and win so many different medals. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see really. I think since obviously you had Becky Adlington and that was really about it a few years ago, like she was mm -hmm. the headliner and everyone knew who she was and still does yeah. now you've got names like you don't really know the name Duncan Scott if you're not a swimmer I don't think but I think that needs to be different because Duncan is one of the best swimmers in the world and hopefully so if he can build his profile over the years that he's swimming and sort of other people come into that boat like everyone a lot of people might know James Guy like he obviously winning worlds Olympics and what he did and just sort of all these names sort of maybe becoming household names I'd probably say Adam Peaty is a household name in the UK now and he's sort of like the Becky Adlington of now but I'd probably say it's even more so and sort of just things like that might change in the coming years for swimming but it's definitely on an up, up on an upward trajectory so it's uh, I don't know how fast that's going but I'd like to think that it's going up a little bit faster but there's just so many other sports in the UK people yeah. watch like football the cricket the two rugby's there's so much I think cricket winning the World Cup. I just watch cricket, so uh, that winning the World Cup, that goes huge. They've, but they even cricket, like, since 2005, I think that was the first time people really sort of publicly got involved with cricket more so. Obviously, they won the Ashes. They hadn't really done anything good. Like, unless you're a cricket fan, you didn't really care about the cricket. But now with all the new sort of... Um, is it the 100, 2020, yeah. all these things around the world. It's a lot more exciting. It's sort of brought a lot more people in to enjoy cricket. Like I've gone to cricket matches with people who don't enjoy cricket and they've gone, oh, it was really good. It was quite fun. Like, uh, And yeah, I think that could potentially be something for swimming, maybe not quite as big because cricket is very, very big in the UK right now. It has always been pretty big, but I think it's grown a lot more. And I think hopefully in the future, swimming can just sort of grow a little bit and become like 
with the ISL, it's becoming more of like a professional sport. So hopefully that can just heighten it even more. And yeah, you see London Roar tops around the UK more. Definitely. Do you think having um, like the London Roar, uh, a UK based team helps? Um, or because no one even knows? I think definitely. Like you see like, they need to change the colour, I'll say that much. But <laughs> uh, like you see all the kids wearing that London Raw kit. And I think for like younger generations, you don't really like people don't really go and buy GB tops, but they'll go and buy a London Raw top because they can be like, yeah, I support London Raw. I can mm-hmm. say that in red and say being like, oh, I'll support GB because everyone supports GB. Like it's just who you are as a being a British what uh, being a British citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's just sort of something a bit different. It's more like the way I think the way America do sports is very good. Like obviously with the way you do like sort of the college, like everyone's very like call it your college till you die, that sort of thing. Like you yeah. buy the kit and that sort of thing. And that's sort of what brings people in. And I think sort of having maybe London Raw, I'm not saying it's gonna make people want to buy uh be more, involved, be more involved in but it'll make the guys who are in swimming more excited about swimming and it'll sort of keep more people in the sport and then it'll obviously lead to the sport growing. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely good for the good for the sport and the country. You see, John, what I'm taking away from what Joe said is something very personal as well. The West Indies were really good at cricket when I swam, and that's obviously why I'm not super famous back home because it's a cricket, right? Because I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, they are. The West Indies are very big. Yeah. Yeah, let's think of all the reasons why Luke isn't famous at swimming back <laughs> no. home. I think we can come up with a pretty long list, to be honest. <laughs> but um. So ISL recently came out with their draft um, information. Have you been communicated this at all, or you're pretty much just reading it online like everyone else? Uh, just reading. I think we've yeah. had a few things in our 2020 breakers chat, just sort of saying what we can say, what we can't say, what we shouldn't say. Sure. Um, no, just sort of seeing how the draft's going. I didn't know that it was no under 18s. You just said that before. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. I heard, obviously, the 5 and the 10, 15, you can sort of keep – Mm-hmm. I heard a rumor saying that they can't keep people from that country in the first five. Is that a load of? Is that a load of rubbish? We haven't read that. We don't know. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think I heard my mum say it. So it could just be. That's the. I think it'd be a very stupid idea because I think the the core of a British team should be British, or the core of an American team should be American, not the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I think the draft system is very good. I think it's definitely needed. I think last year showed and the year before that the, the same four teams were in the final in the first two years. And if you get to the same, it would probably be pretty similar. But having like obviously the draft, the, the core of Cali, the core of London, the core of LA will stay the same. But obviously the guys, there's guys on Cali, there's guys on LA that are very very good swimmers, but are getting outshone by the likes of Castadello, Ryan Murphy, that sort of thing. And they're not going to get the swims that they would, but they might get those swims on the breakers. They might get those swims on Aqua Centurions, that sort of thing. And then that'll slowly balance out, I think, the the mid-table at least, maybe not quite the top straight away. But I think it'll make sort of breakers and uh, Iron and Toronto definitely a lot stronger next year because I think we had very, very strong individual athletes but i think we struggled a bit on the relays i think iron had pretty strong on a lot of it like sprint events we were pretty weak in some of the other areas similar with toronto i think obviously with the draft and you can sort of fill those areas and i think with the breakers bringing in 
hopefully the Australians because they had them on their roster, but they obviously couldn't swim. But I think they are entitled to yeah. keep them if they mm-hmm. want. So like Tam McAvoy, Matt Temple, Jack McLaughlin, three of those yeah. would have been absolutely potential for our relays. I think they all could have split 47s, 46s. And that's where we really lacked last year in the in the relays. And like you were have to swim 400 IM swimmers in the relays. I had to swim relays as well as like 200 IM, 100 back, 100 fly, that sort of thing. It just really took out a little bit having that sort of relay strength will definitely sort of strengthen the breakers and then obviously with the other teams. But it helped it, it helped British swimming though, because you guys filled in on the Aussie. Yeah, you had replaced a lot of Aussies, so it helped oh, British yeah. swimming. It was great for a lot of us. Like I think it was like Jacob Whittle and a few of the other girls sort of got picked for the teams and sort of give them an experience. Like Jacob Whittle, 16 years old, goes to an ISL, is now picked for the Olympics. Like it's pretty yeah. I think he beat Dressel's 16-year-old time, like to be faster than Dressel at the same age. Like he's he's not a 16-year-old; he is the size of a 22-year-old. <laughs> but, uh, but like he is 16, and he's sort of he's gone from stride to stride. And I like Jacob, and he's a good guy. And it took, sort of his last year has been pretty insane, and it's really sort of exciting for the future of British swimming to see where he can go in the sprint the sprint freestyle, especially with that four by one slowly coming along to sort of actually challenging for the medal places now. Yeah, so the 18 and under, that was an intriguing rule that that came out. Um, Obviously, the draft specifics, very interesting. One other thing that's part of the draft is, so you get the five, you get to keep five, and you keep 10, so 15. Then supposedly the fans get a vote to keep one. Um, ISL tries a lot of new things that a lot of some fans are like, what the heck, you know, jackpot times. Um, was one, and I ended up really liking jackpot time. So it's one I thought was kind of a little over the top at first, but then I liked that's kind of my vibe on this fan thing. I'm like, I don't know about this. They're going to vote Luke Paddington on a team for all we know, and they're really going to be hurting. What are your thoughts on just the ISL doing some things out of the box? I think it, I think it's good. I think they need to try things, and obviously, if it does doesn't work, you just don't do it again. Like I think yeah. I think I was speculative of jackpot times, and I think. I enjoyed it when I was there, but I think this, there needs to be some scope because, like, you saw how much someone jackpotted someone on a 50. And then, like, I think you, you do a fast 50, you do a world beating time on a 50, you jackpot five people. But then mm-hmm. you see, uh, I think it was, I think it might have my, my brother or someone on the four med, Hagina maybe, or someone, they went like 402 mm-hmm. and then only jackpotted one person, but they beat like four people by over 15 seconds or over like 10 seconds so you'd probably say that's just as impressive as going a 21-0 on a 53 or whatever the 53 times are, i don't know yeah. so i think there needs to be a bit more scope because obviously it's based on a percentage and over time that percentage slowly gets slower and slower and slower because the longer you swim the slower you swim so i mm-hmm. think i think the maybe the 50 times need to be a bit like a higher percentage sort of difference for the jackpot times and it would make the jackpot maybe a little bit fairer meaning that you have to swim like an absolutely exceptional time to sort of jackpot or someone has to swim really slow. But I think it was a fun rule. Like it sort of, it did change a lot of the, uh, it did change a lot of the uh, like sort of race. It got quite excited when you saw someone jackpot. I think no one, no one mega jackpotted, but I think there was a few six person jackpots was there. I think Marco had one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, I think was it Dressel had one of them on the hundred IM, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's it's good and it's exciting. It's sort of it's sort of different to sort of just seeing a fast time on the on the board. This fan vote, I don't really know about the fan vote. It's, it's different, and it you can sort of. It depends how many you might. I don't know how pe- people are going to actually go on and vote, or whether it's just going to end up being who's who's managed to get the most votes based on who's sort of 
told their friends and family to maybe go and vote them. I don't know, <laughs> but it's yeah. it's just to get the public involved and it is good and that's what they need to do. And uh, yeah, I think it's sort of trying to change the sport for for the better, really. Yeah, I think the jackpot times and the distance stuff, you really nailed it there. I also think it's hard just to, you know, for a 50 free, it's easy to keep your foot on the throttle, obviously the whole 50. And the 400 free, when you're winning by 20 seconds, I think just even psychologically, it's hard to just keep your foot on the throttle a little bit. Yeah, I think I think it just maybe needs – it's yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just the way like, – I say like someone went – like the jackpot on the 53 was like 0.9, was it, I think? Mm-hmm. So like it was you, a point eight five, yeah. yeah. If you like, if you say, say if Dressel goes 21-0 and then you go twenty two zero, you've not some slow on a fifty three. Twenty two zero is a very respectable time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but then like two IM, you could win it in a one fifty five, and then go one fifty eight, which I'd say is just as impressive as going, or if not even less impressive than going a twenty two zero. But you don't get jackpot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's just well, sort of. I don't know how they'd change it, how they change the percentages around, but I think it needs a little bit of look into. But I do enjoy the jackpot rule. It definitely made it exciting, especially for the sprint events, which are splash and dash, and they are quite exciting anyway. It made it even more exciting. Well, Joe, literally, man, you can swim just about any event. Which of those events would you be seriously worried that you got jackpotted in? 53? 200 breasts? Because you can swim 200 breasts pretty decent, man. But would you? which ones would you be afraid you got jackpotted? Like, coach, I can do it, but... Oh. Eh. If I probably the probably the brush strokes, I think I think uh, it's my weakest stroke. I think if I'm racing Pagoda or Marco, I mean, all man getting jackpot by Marco, obviously being a breaker. But, yeah. uh, Take a point. I think I'd I may I'd maybe dip under two ten on a good day. I don't know. But I don't know what the jackpot is, but it depends how fast the winner goes. Uh, Hundred breast, I've been a sixty point, so I think the jackpot's two seconds. So if someone's going to fifty seven, uh, yeah. I'm going to be getting jackpot. So I think the brushstrokes would be the worst. <laughs> but that's pretty remarkable. I mean, that you're talking two out of how many events in swimming? That's well done, man. There's not many swimmers who can say that. So kudos. Thank you. It's a lot of IM training. Being an IM pays off. But like you, like we saw on the skins, I mean, you can still get up and go for the for the sprint events. And with the skins, you said that was, you know, you felt horrible at the end of that third 50 back. Um, so did you have any things that you took away from that skins event that you're kind of translating into training or into your long course mm. backstroke? Probably not yet. I think if I told my coach I had a 50 summary, he'd probably keep me out of the squad. Uh, <laughs> but we definitely, like, I used to do 4am and it didn't really work. I didn't enjoy the event. And we sort of came off and I was like, I don't want to do it at any sort of long course internationals anymore. I don't want to even try and sort of be on the team of that event i want to try something different and do 100 back do 203 and then 103 and that's sort of that's obviously paid off this year but i mean i'll be open to doing am if the breakers need me in the isl at any point or anyone needs me for that um, but the um i think just sort of having that i've always had which like i've always had, had like a bit of speed in me so i've sort of never really trained for it but i've sort of always had that like strength, uh twitch sort of and like converting that now with my strength work and my like sort of increasing power 50s and 100s kind of just come along with it and uh yeah it's it's something to work on for the future i think maybe as i get older maybe i don't know when i'm 28 30 i might become a 50 50 a 50 swimmer we'll see but uh i think i've got a pretty good sort of, like speed endurance but obviously when you're racing ryan it's going to be hard i think i think was it the the london skins backstroke the last 50 was actually like 
just around my time, I think, that I went. It, was, it wasn't it was a 24-7 or whatever the hell Ryan went. <laughs> it, was a, it was pretty mad. He went, like, was it 23, 24, 24? It was pretty, it was pretty impressive. Joe, my, one of our closest friends, George Bovell, is a bronze medalist in Athens in 200 IM, and he ended up bringing a bronze medalist at Worlds in 53 a few years later. So you, you never know. Like, you, you get all that. Get some man strength in you. I think with ISL, like, it gives you, like, small scope to swim for longer and yeah. one day when i drop 200s depending on how my life goes i don't know we'll see maybe pick up a 53 style <laughs> um i was i was looking at your facebook post about like a day in, in training with you with you and um you know the, the morning session the weights and, and evening session and you use some terms in there like we're not used to in the uk what's a pre-pool you said pre-pool pre-pool so you're like you just do stretching stretching banded work before you get in the pool i figured so yeah <laughs> you guys say social kick yeah 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 um what what other things i remember when i came here and i started coaching um in america and i got like an uh, 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 interview at a coach two summers and i gave the workout and they looked at me and they didn't move i was like why aren't you going i said let's do two lengths butterfly Two lengths. They don't say lengths here. They say laps. Yeah, they say laps. Yeah, they say laps. They say practice. We say training. Right. Uh, I say training. Growing up, it's training. Yeah, I won't say practice. It's very American. See, John. <laughs> the uh, I don't know what else. There's a few things. Like we, we actually joked about a lot of this in ISL, obviously with different nations saying different things. It's quite funny. sure. Uh, what else? There's, um, like, like your swimsuits. You, you call it jammers. You call it. You, you, you get suited up. You wear. You get suited. Uh, trunks, trunks, probably. Yeah, trunks. One thing that's come to mind through ISL is just the term kit. I think Brian had the biggest confusion with the term kit as like all the gear and warm ups that you guys wear. Someone's like, oh, the ISL kit is trash. They have capes. What the hell is this thing? And we're all like, what the hell do you mean a kit? And then I think we're talking with uh, swimsuit guy and he's like oh you know the you know he's always reviewing all these things and then so he's like oh it's kind of like the the warm-up gear and things like that because i think we we don't have a term for all that we just call it maybe warm-ups as in like the kit you use to swim with well well when you use the kit do you mean like your warm-up jackets and and you have your your net kit you have a net bag you have your swim kit and then you have your your kit as in maybe like your clothing uh there we yeah. go. So we have our gear bag. Yeah, we it's have a net bag. Like fins, all that. Oh, That's our gear bag. bag. We, we, we say gear. I'd probably say yeah. say kit and gear, sort of interchangeable. I don't think we but like kit. We call kit probably more so this because we go kitting out, which is when you go and sort of get all your kit for the Olympic Games. That like you'd go into a day and you'd get it all in one day. Yeah, all your all the free stuff, all, all the yeah. Christmas Day type of oh. thing. I know. So it goes crazy I'm with top gear bag. I call it my. Net bag, I think. <laughs> Net bag, all right. You when they start talking about pants and trousers and underpants and tops and everything, it goes crazy. And I actually have my son's swim cap here next to me. And, you know, he's 10 years old, silicon. And I, I would say, well, here's my cap back in the day. It was a latex cap. You guys swim with latex and silicon and that stuff usually, of course, right? Silicon, yeah. Latex yeah. pulls on your hair. Yeah, I did. All okay. right, we got to get into some rapid fire before Luke starts pulling out baby photos and things <laughs> like that. I know Joe's got some – as much as he wants to see Grandpa Luke talk, I think we got to get him back to his day, okay? So we're going to wrap it up here with some rapid fire, right, Joe? Yep. All right, first question. Would you prefer to have an Olympic gold medal, a world record, or ISL MVP title? Olympic gold medal. 
All right. What is the hardest race in swimming? Uh, 200 back. Long okay. call. That's popular one, right, Meg? That's the most popular one, I think. Hardest or most painful? Most painful. Yeah. I think mentally the hardest race is the 4 a.m. That's a good question. We might need to start clarifying because I do think hardest a lot associate with like some of their best yeah, events too because there's – I hate the 200 back. That's why I stopped when I was younger. <laughs> all right. What's the best Olympic swimming siblings of all time? Well, it's, got, it's going to be me and Max, but uh, I think the Brownlee are swimming, swimming relatives. I can't – or relatives. I've you got Crippins. You got Fran Crippin, Maddie Crippin. You got. Um, no, I heard about the. Come on, we're missing a big one. What about those Aussie Sprint sisters? Oh yeah, Campbell's. Yeah, I think they were probably pretty solid, right? Campbell's probably. All right. So Luke found some article in a hometown newspaper where they called you the. I'll probably pronounce it wrong. Badsworth boys. <laughs> if the Badsworth boys came out in like a pro wrestling. What theme music would they have? Or what uh, theme song? Uh, me and Max really enjoy country. Uh, Luke Coombs. Uh, could be something like that, but more upbeat. We both like drum and bass, so I'd probably say something on the lines of the Pendulum, maybe. Uh, something like that. Excellent. It's Pendulum, so I'd go for that. Or Prodigy. Perfect. All right, last question. So... We did a fan vote, and we all agreed that you should get the Olympic rings tattooed right here. Um, if you end up not like doing it on your cheek, where might you do your ring tattoo? I think probably my pec. I think if I get my bicep, I'd get everyone, oh, you're copying Max. So, uh, <laughs> you got to think about when you're old man like me, what happens to like, your body? So like, you don't want to be 80 years old. The beach, you know? like, it doesn't move much. It's solid. <laughs> your pec surely can't change it's the text can't change too much well you see old yeah, men they might like bubbles i don't know <laughs> well it'll be at the beach with a tank on still just because that's where it'll go uh all right joe well thanks again for joining us great job again at uk trials that was uh exciting to watch yeah. and follow congrats on making your first olympic teams look forward to watching you at tokyo and see where you get your rings tattooed um everyone thanks for joining us for another episode of social kick podcast make sure you like follow subscribe all that fun stuff on our channel and we'll see you next time hey everybody thanks for hanging out with us if you're enjoying social kick tell your friends about it and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts follow us on instagram at the social kick podcast please subscribe to our youtube channel the social kick and you can find all of our content on our website at thesocialkick.com.